On this edition of the Riabu podcast, we continue to look at what you need to do to survive and prosper the COVID-19 crisis. Last week, we talked about those things that you must do just to survive, things like taking out operating costs and cutting your cloth to fit your suit, as Simon likes to say. I hope I didn't mangle your metaphor, Simon. In any case, to reduce your operating costs and to make sure that you can at least get through these months. This week, though, we're focusing very much on how to now strategize for the future, how to make sure that once all of this is over, you actually have a much better business than the one that you went in with. Uh, and so today, Simon Littlewood, we're going to be talking about recruiting strategically. But I have to tell you, I don't think anybody is thinking of hiring just at this time. Well, uh, of course, there are immediate things that you need to take care of in order to ensure that you're going to survive the crisis. And we talked about those last week. If you know your industry, and I'm sure you do, then you know who your competitors are and you know who they employ that you particularly admire. Um, if you don't have an, a list of people that you'd like to work for you, then you should start creating it at a time of difficulty. Why? Because some of your competitors will do less well than you. They'll certainly do less well than you if you do the five things that we've recommended to scale your organization, generate surplus cash flow, bring your suppliers and customers closer. And if they're in worse shape, they're going to be struggling to keep their people. Perhaps they've run out of money to pay them. So you know who you want to recruit and you know which competitors are in difficulty. So what do you do? During the downturn, you use your network to reach out to them informally. So you might go via an intermediary. What you don't want to do is, is rush in there. You want to find out how they feel, if they're discontented and so on and so forth. Put out feelers. Yep. I see. So you uh, perhaps uh, nudge somebody and say, can you just talk to Jim or Jane over at uh, Competitor X and well, it's likely, see whether they want to jump ship? Is, well, is that how it goes? Well, I wouldn't use that terminology. I mean, uh, you know, what you do is we talked about um, in, in the first five things last week, one of the things we talked about is getting closer to your customers. And because your salesman, your commercial manager is going to be meeting competitor salesmen at your, at your customers, or at least he's going to know of them, he'll have a bit of how your competitors are doing him. Are doing. The customers will be telling him. They'll be saying, you know, your competitor are in real difficulty. We can't get a product or they're pressing us for payment or whatever it is. So you, you should have in your commercial team a good source of insight into who's not doing well and which individuals um, are in a situation of stress, because that's what you're looking for. Good people in stress who might be prepared to listen to an opportunity. So, so, mm -hmm. so reach out to them informally, but first of all, find out that they are in fact in difficulty and that they might be ready to listen. And then start to cook a bit of a deal so that you can be ready to actually socialize the deal with them when it's clear that they are probably going to be looking around for something else or before. Yeah. Now, this uh, supposes that you know what the ingredients are. In other words, uh, in cooking the steel, you need to know what they're currently earning and uh, so that presumably you can make them a decent offer. Right? Yes. I mean, in my experience, these things are normally pretty well known um, and or, or can be found out. Um, and the reality is that if, you're, if your competitor is really in difficulty, it could well be that their earnings are in doubt anyway. I mean, one of the first things that companies do, and we've talked about this a lot. I mean, last week I talked to more than 100 companies um, in webinars who are going through the process of scaling their operations. And one of the first things they do is they throw their bonuses back in the pot, sometimes just the senior manager bonuses, but very often everybody's. 
So salesmen, for example, commercial people who may have quite a high level of variable bonus, it's not uncommon to have 20 or 30% of salary as a variable bonus, sometimes more. Maybe they're not going to get that. Maybe they're going to have to take a salary cut. Remember, you've done things to make sure that you've got enough money in the bank to pay your people and that you've got a war chest to spend on other things when you come out fighting at the end of COVID-19. So you've got the money to offer the guy a deal and to offer him stability. And by then, the business, the, the, the business world will know that you are a company that's demonstrated great competence in the way that you've managed this crisis. And you'll be an attractive place for somebody that's stressed and has maybe got a family to feed to go to. And that's your advantage. And you should play that card. And does that mean then that when you make your offer, uh, I mean, how do you dance around the fact that to some extent you don't want to now be necessarily offering them significantly less? After all, you need to cook up a good deal, as you said earlier, and to make an attractive offer. But on the other hand, you could say that at times like this, when many companies' revenues in doubt, they're not exactly going to be splurging on salary increases. So chances are you can probably fine-tune your offer to slightly less than what they're currently earning, right? I would I would be inclined to avoid that, but I mean, let's not, let's be clear, every situation is going to be different. You know, if they're facing imminent redundancy, um, then of course you have the opportunity maybe to recruit them at a more competitive rate. But generally, I believe in paying people what they're worth. Um, and if you can't afford to pay them what they're worth or if there's an issue, then be honest with them. Remember, one of the things that we said right from the beginning is tell the truth. Um, a lot of the companies that are going to be in biggest trouble of all, and we're already seeing this, are companies that are kind of kick the can down the road, not being ready to make decisions, hope for the best. Only yesterday, I was telling you, only yesterday I was talking to a company and advising them about stuff they wanted to do. And they said, no, we don't really want to do any of that. We're just waiting for things to return to normal. <laughs> and I thought, okay. Uh, you know, when I did a survey of the 40 companies that were in the room when I gave a webinar uh, earlier this week, 80% of them agreed that it would be at least a year before things return to anything like normal. So if you're waiting for things to return to normal in a few weeks, you're not understanding what's going on here. It's going to take much longer. A good, a good talented sales guy should be looking for a home to go to, which has got the money to pay him and has got the probability of future success. You've demonstrated through doing the five things that you're one of those companies that is differentiated by the determination with which you've approached this crisis. And you're going to bring in those guys that are going to give you additional capability, additional market share, and you're going to do it straight at the end of, of, of COVID um, in order then to be able to grow faster than your competition. Yeah. So what happens if, let's say, you haven't done the things that people, that you've been advising people, such as uh, managing down your costs? And actually, you're also struggling a little bit with, in terms of your cash flow. And now you have to make a decent offer. Um, are some non-cash items that are often not on the cards now all of a sudden part of that deal that you're cooking up well well maybe but look you know um we're working on the presumption that you have a future and that you've scaled to a level where you're going to survive if you're if you're struggling to find the cash to survive then don't hire people um i mean it's as simple as that so you know sort things out and and i think one of the other things that, that, that we need to be very careful about is that every company is in a different situation there are a small number of companies that are doing quite well uh there are a small number of companies that have had an absolutely catastrophic end to their business uh, but somewhere in the middle are most companies that are having to make adjustments. You know, we're addressing primarily those companies 
and we're suggesting how they can make adjustments, what adjustments they should make, and above all, we're saying make the adjustments quickly. If you've made those adjustments and you've made them quickly, you're going to have the cash and you're going to have the flexibility to hire people. We firmly hope that that's the situation that you're going to be in because it's going to really pay dividends. Yeah. And finally then, Simon, um, I, I realize this is a, a little bit dark humor, but should you perhaps be swapping out a few of your people for those star new that's, hires from your competitors? That's not dark humor at all. I mean, when you when you do... The you, didn't see the, we, you didn't see the look on my face and the, the mean chuckle in my voice, Simon. Well, no. I mean, if you're leading a company and you've got staff, you know, uh, whether it's a few or a lot, there'll be people that you know, although you might be fond of them, you know, aren't the best of the bunch. You kind of put up with them warts and all. And by the way, I've had, I had a boss once who hired me back and he said, he looked at me and he said, Simon, I'm hiring you because better the devil you know. I mean, I don't know if you know the expression in English. <laughs> better the devil you know than the devil. You know. He was saying, you're far from perfect as an employee, but on the whole, we've kind of understood what can be expected and, and so we'll take you as you are i mean uh, <laughs> and then you slapped him and then threw his offer in his no, face no he was, no he was he was a lovely very senior man who's, who continues to be a friend and help me so you know at the end of the day um part of running a business is you have to make decisions not based on sentiment but based on commercial considerations and yes it'd be very surprising if you have a team of any side if size if there aren't people that unfortunately you recognize you know aren't necessarily the pick of the bunch let them go. Be good to them. Treat them well as you let them go, but let them go. And yes, that creates space then to bring on, when the time is right, people that can really add value to your organization. And that's what you should be doing. Well, Jack Welch, uh, the recently departed, uh, well, deceased uh, former chief executive of General Electric, used to have a policy of letting go of the 10% of the performers. That was why he was called Neutron Jack. Is that uh, the sort of approach that well, I've worked, you're recommending here? I've worked in a company like that. It's called forced ranking. I mean, my main, I, I, this is a whole other topic. I mean, I think, yes, you should be thinking about people that perform and people that don't perform over time. That particular approach is extremely aggressive. And it says that every quarter, you get one more quarter to improve your performance or you're out. Um, so it creates a quite a toxic internal, internal atmosphere. Um, so, you know, we live in strange times now. So the need to cut costs, the need to make adjustments, this is driven by external events. Um, so, no, I'm not a big fan of that on a continuing basis because it, it, you could argue that it makes people desperate to perform. On the other hand, it makes them desperately unhappy as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we won't call you Neutron, Simon. We'll no. just stick with uh, better the devil you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Any final points on the hiring strategically for this podcast? No, I mean, I think you made the right point right at the beginning of this, which is that it's probably the last thing on people's mind. Well, that's that's the reason that you're going to do better than everybody else, because you're remembering that everything comes to an end. You know, this too shall pass. What shape are you going to be in at the end of COVID? And what capabilities are you going to have that you did not have at the beginning that are going to enable you to differentiate and grow faster than your competition? Well, here's one of them. Yeah. And another one is the one that we're going to be talking about in the next podcast, and that is going to be about your costs. Now, didn't we already talk about reducing operating expenditure last week? Yeah. So in the next podcast, we're going to be talking about making cost optimization part of your DNA. So what's happened during the process of rapidly adjusting to the COVID reality, which is a far lower level of commercial activity, you've learned lots about what's possible when it comes to reducing operating costs. 
Um, you've discovered that actually you can cut quite a bit out of your business. And many of us have discovered we can cut quite a bit out of our personal lives as well and somehow survive. Right. That's been the reality of this <laughs> awful COVID thing. You know? Well, instead of staying, you know, breathing a sigh of relief and mopping your brow and just going back to the way things were before the status quo ante, um, start making cost, constant awareness of costs as a percentage of revenue and constant a constant effort to slim them part of your DNA. You have that opportunity to make a range of changes. So a simple formula is to say that we will track costs as a percentage of revenue and we will constantly set targets at a holistic level and for every function to reduce costs as a percentage of revenue. Remember, that's not the same as reducing costs. It, right. says, it says that as we grow our business, costs as a percentage of revenue will go down. What that means right. is, is that our profitability will go up. Yeah. Right. Okay. More to be explained in the next podcast. Thank you for today, Simon, talking about uh, hiring strategically. Thank you. <laughs>